Yes, Don was teasing me a little bit about not dressing up tonight. He put on a better fancy shirt. I did look at this. I'm going to put it on and show you. I brought my, I brought my outfit. And I did forego the tie and all that, and I'm taking this off. By the way. <laughs> I just, but I did want you to know I, I did have the outfit. I, you know, it's been a fun week for, for Gilda and myself. We all have been very, very gracious to us, and uh, uh, we've enjoyed uh, some of the folks we've been out and had some fellowship time with, meal. I appreciate Todd and Cindy and the warm way they've received us and having us back, and I've told you uh, ahead of time that, uh, that they are very gracious people, and I, rem I do actually remember them from 16 years ago. He was really a younger man then, that's for sure, and I, I was too, but uh, it's hard to believe that uh, we have been out here on the road for, well, for really for 37 years. We will start our 38th year in, in August. And although I'm kind of officially retired, we're still working. And uh, I will, if some of you are interested in going with us on some of our mission projects, I am going back to Cuba. I've been working primarily for the last 20 years or so in, in Haiti and Cuba and Honduras. We've been to a lot of other countries, but this has been our primary focus. And the main reason I work those countries is because it's more economical to get to them. The money goes a long way. And uh, you can get a whole lot done. I can build a, we can build a home in Honduras for about $3,000. And there we're building um, what's called right now Mercy House, which will be a training center for educating pastors and also for helping the hungry and training them how to raise food and how to do other things. And so we've got a lot of projects going. If any of you are interested in traveling with us, uh, we'd be happy to have you. Or maybe your church could put together a team and go. I think you're very... Uh, concerned or compassionate church you seem to be in fact I was going to preach on the uh, characteristics of the church tonight and uh, you know my wife as I told you I was, it's hard to know what to preach and then last night as I was fellowship and I heard someone say and I won't you know not call the name his name said I hope you sure hope you don't preach on forgiveness <laughs> well I said there's my sign somebody must be having some issues with that maybe and maybe there's a lot of people and we all have issues with that believe it or not that's, a, that's one of the toughest areas of Christian faith is the area of forgiveness. I'm going to talk about that tonight, but thank you for the invitation to come, and thank you. I don't know what your love offering will be or what you plan to give us. We never ask for anything. You can, your pastor will tell you that. Uh, all the money that we receive always just goes into the ministry, out of which uh, we're just paid a salary, and uh, all the money goes into the work. Our budget is smaller now. We, used, we got up to almost a $200,000 a year budget at one time for a small organization. That was pretty good. Our operating budget this year is $122,000. And you can figure that out. If I went to 50 churches a year and every church gave me $1,000, we'd still be $100,000 you know, $100, short or something like that. So there's no way we'd make you know, a living doing revivals. And most of our ministry is underwritten by people who believe in us and help us and care for us, and that's how we've survived all these many years. And so whatever you give, I thank you, and it'll all go directly into the ministry to carry on the work that we're doing. And now that I'm retired, I don't draw a salary, so all my money now specifically goes back into the ministry itself. So thank you, and God bless you, and keep in touch. And if you're down our way in Pilot Mountain, we'd be glad to see you. We can give you a tour in about two hours. Uh, of the whole whole thing. 
And uh, we've seen a lot of your area here while we were here. We were over in Abington today, and then we've been, your pastor took us all through Bristol. I drove under the big sign out there that showed the, uh, where the two states divide. I don't think we've ever done a revival in Bristol. We've, I was talking today, and we've done them all far as I know from here to Winchester, Virginia, and all the way to Memphis, Tennessee, and all out west and everywhere else, but I think it's our first time in Bristol. Now, I did play in a nightclub here back in the 60s when I was in the band, and some of y'all looked familiar. In fact, uh, <laughs> that was another era, but we did. I don't even remember. I just remember being in Bristol, and I remember it was so strange because we were playing, I think, on the Virginia side, and it was one time, and then on the, the Tennessee side, it was another time. You walk across the street, and it was an hour change. Uh, one of the states, at least, was too stubborn to change. He didn't want to go on that new, what they call Johnson time, which Lyndon Johnson initiated. And so I do remember that. And so if any of you are there, uh, be sure to let me know, because uh, I'd like to renew our relationship. Uh, I think I met one guy, especially one of the jazz players here. Uh, that I thought he looked familiar. But thank you, and God bless you. And thank you, Don, for the wonderful music you provided for us this week. And uh, I jotted down a, I don't use notes, you know, but I jotted down some scripture verses tonight because my memory's not good anymore. And the pastor called me out Sunday for misquoting a verse and kind of hurt my feelings, but I got over it. No, I didn't misquote it, I just mis gave the wrong text, inverted the letters. So I've, I've written them down tonight. Forgiveness. You know, we're always saying, have you ever said that, you know, Lord, have mercy? <laughs> That's one of our favorite sayings, really. Lord, have mercy. We love for our Lord to have mercy. And I am grateful that we have a merciful, and loving, and caring God. I don't know what I would do without it. But, you know, the Bible also says to whom much is given, much is required. And so I want to share with you tonight one of, another one of my favorite stories in the Bible and Scripture. And it's found in Matthew uh, chapter 18. And uh, we're going to be reading with verse 21. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there and then you follow along. And I'll let you remain seated tonight since uh, he had us standing there right at the end. And you seem like you're alert. I know we ate a lot of chicken back there tonight and... So I'm watching you, and if you see somebody dozing off the side of you, punch them or something, because I don't want to have to call their name. I've learned some of your names, so, uh, you know, just keep each other alert, all right? You can do that. Matthew 18, begin reading with verse uh, 21, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. Then came Peter to him and uh, said, Lord, how oft shall thy brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times. And Jesus says unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. And therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. And when he had, uh, uh, but for as much as he had not to repay, the Lord uh, his Lord commanded him to be sold, his wife and children, and all that he had in payments to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and kissed him, I mean, and loosed him and forgave him uh, the debt. 
But then the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet, besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay all the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because you asked me or desired me. Should not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth or angry, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, <laughs> if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Now this is a powerful passage of Scripture, and one some of you is going to probably take a little bit of issue with. Uh, but I'm going to, you know, share with you. Uh, I never make apologies. People say, well, how do you know what to preach or how to preach? I just tell the story. And I share what, what's in here and, and then try to make some sense out of it. And, uh, and so if you've got a better opinion of all this, you can let me know. I'm still trying to learn. But I'm just going to share with you how I perceive what our Lord was trying to teach us through this passage. First of all, Jesus has obviously been preaching or teaching on forgiveness. And Peter comes up to him and says, Lord, I got a question for you. How often if your brother sins against you, do you forgive him? I mean, surely there's a line out here somewhere. Uh, he, and he says, how about seven times? Now, if you know in the Bible, I hope you know this, you may not, but, you know, numbers are used very symbolically. Most of the numbers in Scripture are symbolic numbers. Three is a divine number. Seven is a very number, number of completion, like the seven days. And, and so you can take them literally if you want to, but they, they're probably just symbolic numbers. Now, Peter thought he was being very generous because the rabbis taught back in that day that you had to forgive three times. That was the rabbinical teaching. And after three times, you could get even. But you had to forgive three times. Well, Peter could tell Jesus seemed to be taking this further than anybody he had ever heard. And so he, said, he throws out a number and says, how about seven times that number of completion? Surely that would be enough. And I'm sure he's thinking that Jesus is going to say to him, well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, the Holy Spirit's revealed something else to you and all this. But instead, Jesus looked at him and said, I say unto you not seven times, but until 70 times seven. Now, if you understand Jewish numerology, you would understand that this means unlimited forgiveness. And so I believe the first thing this passage teaches is that we're to practice unlimited forgiveness. Now, that is quite a request. But let me ask you something. When you come to the Lord in repentance and ask his forgiveness, does he forgive you? Yeah, you know he does. And so he tells us also to forgive one another as he forgives us. And so it's, it's a biblical principle. I think it's taught, but here specifically it's emphasized. Now, for those of you who are literalists, I, every church has some of these people, you know, that think everything in the Bible is to be taken literally. You know, when Jesus says, I'm the door, they think, you know, Jesus was wood and splintered, and you open him up and just like a door or something. They take everything literally. Now, I don't think this number is to be taken literally. I think it just means unlimited forgiveness. 
But for those of you who believe literal and trans, that means you have to forgive 490 times. Isn't that right? I don't know my math, but I'm not good at that. 70 times 7, is that right? 490 times. So I don't know how you're going to keep up with it. I guess get your computer program or a notebook or something. And when this so-and-so or so-and-so does something, makes you mad or hurts your feelings, you know, write it down and, and make a mark. And when you get to 491, you can kill them if you want to. You can get even. You say, I stuck right by what the Bible said. They said you had to forgive 490, 491, they're dead meat. I doubt anybody's going to mess up that many times, but that's how you feel. Then you keep your chart, and you keep a record of it. Me, I just believe it means unlimited forgiveness. Well, our Lord then moves into a parable to teach the truth of what he's saying. And he talks about this king. We believe the king represents God, and I'll tell you why. But he talks about this, this Lord of the land, whoever. He's owed this huge debt. And I mean it's huge. It tells in here 10,000 talents. I don't know all you different translations have different interpretations. But I can tell you this. It was a multi-million dollar debt even in today's currency. And so Jesus used a number that he knew that everyone would realize the debt could never be repaid. This man could live a hundred lifetimes and never repay the debt. And he owed this Lord 10,000 talents. He comes, he falls before him, and he says, the reason I believe in God, it says he worshipped him. Isn't that right? That's what it said. He fell down at his feet and he worshipped him. And he cried out to him, says, have patience with me and I'll pay you all which was a joke. There's no way he could ever pay it. And it says the king was moved with compassion and he forgave the man this huge multi-million dollar debt. Now you'd think this would be the most gracious man on the face of the earth, wouldn't you? I mean, here he's Owes this, by law, the man can sell his wife, sell his children, take his land. I mean, he owns this person. And now he forgives them this huge debt. And you'd think this would be the gracious, most gracious, happiest man on earth. He goes out of the king's presence, runs into somebody that owes him about $44, as best we can tell. 44 bucks. <laughs> and what does he do? says, you pay me, you owe me, you owe me money. And it says this guy that fell down at his feet, and I didn't say he worshipped him because this guy doesn't represent God, but he fell down at his feet and he cried out to him, have patience with me, I'll pay you all. And more than likely he could have paid, uh, you know, this $44 debt. But what does this man do? Well, it says he chokes him. He's pretty mean, I mean, well, I, he doesn't say he chokes him. He says he grabbed him by the throat. What do you think that means? I'm, I'm interpreting here. If you grab somebody by the throat, what are you usually doing? You're planning on choking them, I think, or at least threatening to. And has the man thrown into jail over $44? Now, what do you think of that? Well, some of the king's men, they see this take place, and they said, go back to the king, and they say, you know, this guy that you just gave this multi-million dollar debt? Yeah. What about it? We just observed. He went out there and choked a man, threw him in jail over 44 bucks. <laughs> and the king says, you're kidding me. No, 
Bring him in. Bring that sucker back in here. And they bring him back. And what does the king say? After he'd called him, he said, Oh, thou wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you asked me. Question. Should not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had compassion on you? What do you think the answer to that question should be? Of course the man should have had compassion. He'd been given a great gift, and he goes around then and just makes a mockery of it by not forgiving others. And so the second point, the first one, of course, was that forgiveness is unlimited. The second point is that God forgives us of a lot. The least we can do is forgive one another because it's nothing compared to what God forgives us for. You're never, ever going to be able to pay the debt. But God loves you and forgives you anyway. And he says we're to do the same thing. So God has forgiven us of a lot. The least we can do is forgive one another of whatever trifling thing it is. It's usually not all that much, but I've been around a long time. And I have seen some strange things. I'll tell you this story. I, I was uh, doing a revival in Virginia. That's, that's all I'm going to say because I found out people got relatives everywhere. And I'm sure some of y'all probably have relatives in this church. If I name the church. But just say in the Virginia Baptist Church, that's pretty general. So I don't think you'll find out where it was at. But anyway, I was there. Back then, the revivals went from Sunday through Friday. And this was back in the, uh, I don't know, early 80s, mid-80s or something. Uh, my family, I know, was still traveling with us. And I was working with this pastor. In fact, this pastor would know him. <laughs> and, uh, and so I guess he got out of, ran out of stuff to talk about. And uh, we were riding around one day, uh, just kind of like, you know, visiting, talking. And he, he told me this story. He said, you know, said, uh, you know the ladies we ate with this week, we ate somewhere every day. And I'll never forget it. It's a story I don't usually tell, but they had one place we ate where they had a dog ate at the table with us. That may not be, y'all don't act like that's strange. <laughs> so, you know, maybe y'all are weird as they are. I don't know. But the dog had a high chair. It sat at the table and ate with us while we ate lunch. That's one reason this place stands out. The second reason is, he said, there's another family said, you know the lady we ate with on Monday? And I said, yeah. And we ate with her sister on Wednesday. And I think this was on a Thursday or something like that. Yeah, yeah. He said, you know those, uh, those two sisters have not spoken to each other in over 25 years. I said, are you kidding me? He said, no, I'm telling you. That it's, it's the most unusual thing you have ever seen in your life. They're not even sure what they fell out about now. They almost can't even remember what it was all about. But they will not forgive, and they have not spoken for 25 years. And so what makes it worse, they married brothers. Isn't that something? I don't, we're all looking weird again. I didn't say they married their own brothers. <laughs> it's not West Virginia, it's Virginia. <laughs> That's what the job is. If you're West Virginia, I'm, I'm just picking but uh, they married a set of brothers, said the brothers get along, but the sisters won't have anything to do with each other. And I said, well, they're in church every Sunday. Yeah, one sits on one side, one sits on the other. They got the office, the old attitude. It, it's, it's terrible. And I said, well, have you talked to them about it? Have you confronted them about it? He said, no, I keep messing that. 
I said, what do you mean? You can't let stuff go on like that in your church family and you know about it. He said, oh, you have to in this church. This is a family church. Everybody's related. He said, if I stirred in that, I'd be out of here in a week. Get fire me, run me off. He said, all of them's related to both of their husbands or deacons. I keep messing that stuff. And I said, well, I'll go talk to the sister. Oh, it scared the pastor just turned pale. No, 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 no. He said, I, I didn't tell you this to get you to do anything. I was just giving you information. Well, I said, you shouldn't have told me. Now that I know about it, you say you can't do anything because in your situation. And, uh, and so now that I know about it, I've got to confront it. He said, well, I can't believe you're going to do that. You're going to get me fired. You're going to get me. I said, well, that's, I said, some things you're supposed to keep between yourself and God. If you didn't want me to know it, you shouldn't have said it. And so I went to see those girl, ladies. They were older ladies. Can't remember their names. But I went to one. Boy, she was, I said, I'll ask you something. Are you a Christian? Or do you, have you been born again? Do you, have you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior and received his forgiveness? She said, yeah. I said, you have. Well, I said, the pastor told me that you hadn't spoken to your sister in 25 years. That doesn't sound much like somebody that's on the right relationship with God to me. And I'm telling you, if you don't do something about that, you're going to be under the judgment of God. He doesn't put up with stuff like that. You can't do that. That's not right. Oh, she started crying, <laughs> just carrying on, you know. And, and, uh, but I told her, and then I went to the other sister, and I did the same thing. I told her, and she cried and carried on too, but they both got under conviction, I guess, and later that Thursday or maybe early Friday, I don't know when, they, they got together and they reconciled. And uh, beat anything I have ever seen. About a year later, they came to see me. I was doing a revival down in Newburn, North Carolina, and they came to see me and rode together in the same car and uh, came by to tell me how much it meant to them that I had confronted them about something they should have dealt with a long time ago. Isn't that amazing? That even among families, when God tells us we're to love our enemies, do good to people that persecute us, pray for people that despitefully use us, and then turn around and can't even forgive one another for whatever it is, it's nothing compared to what God has forgiven us. Man, I ain't worried about time tonight. What are you going to do, run me off? I'm leaving anyway. <laughs> I haven't paid attention time on Wednesday night. And I'm going to say what i got to say. As, uh, I remember talking to Georgia, and I, I, this story comes to mind, too. I think about it. You know, one of the things I do, Todd, uh, I haven't had a chance to do it with you this week, but when I go to churches, a lot of times I'll get there on Sunday morning, and I'll meet the pastor in his office. And uh, especially when I used to travel by myself for a few years, and uh, the pastor would leave say, I want you to pray and meditate. I guess they want me to get things right before I went out there to preach to their congregation. And one of the things I really enjoy doing is I love to look through a pastor's office, especially if he's not there. Because I can, I can pretty much give you, tell you about a pastor and everything about him just by looking at his office. Because I've, I've done this a long time. And I can see what books, you know, is on his shelf. I can look at the pictures that are around on his desk. And, and just I can make a psychological evaluation of a pastor just by browsing around his office for a few minutes. And uh, if you want me to do that, I'll do it sometime, but I haven't been in his office this week. I guess he's grateful now. 
But the strangest thing about this particular pastor was, I was walking around his office, and I was looking at pictures, and all of a sudden I look, here in this Southern Baptist preacher's office was a great big picture of the Pope. The Pope. And again, y'all look like this is just totally normal stuff. Do you hear me? A Baptist preacher had a picture of the Pope. Now, I don't have a thing against the Pope. I, I, I like the Catholic people. I, don't, I have no problem with all this stuff. But I had just never seen a Baptist pastor with a picture of the Pope. And so when he came in, you know, for us to have prayer and go out to preach, he, I said, I've got to ask you something. And he laughed. And I know what you're going to ask. And I said, what, what? He said, you want to know why I got that picture on the wall, don't you? I said, yeah, I'm just curious about that. That's the strangest thing. I've ever seen. I don't have anything against the Pope. I like the guy. He seems to be a good fellow. I think it was this Pope John the Twenty-Third back then. Uh, <laughs> he said, "Well, did you see the caption down in the bottom? There's another little." I said, "No, I didn't pay any attention." So go look at that. And in the corner of this larger picture was a picture of this man kneeling, holding this other man's hands, praying with him. He says, "You know who that is?" I said, well, "I don't really recognize it." He said, "That's a picture of the Pope." in the jail cell of the man who tried to assassinate him, praying with him, seeking his forgiveness because of whatever reason he felt led to try to take his life. He said, I don't care what you think of the Pope. I think that's one of the greatest examples of Christianity I've ever seen. Boy, that registered with me too. And even so did our Lord, not from the cross, look out at those who put him there. And what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Man, I'm telling you, God has forgiven us of a lot. We had better learn to forgive one another. Well, here comes the hard part <laughs> of the message. And I'm just going to share it with you and let you deal with it however you want to. Don't get a lot of response from this message, but I decided since y'all don't respond anyway, it's fine. <laughs> just leave it with you. But uh, the third point, and hear this one, because this is going to be the tough one for you, except if we refuse to forgive one another, then we forfeit the forgiveness that God has given us. You say, now, wait a minute. Are you sure that's what it says? All right, you interpret it. And his Lord was angry and delivered him to the tormentor so he should pay all the debt that was due unto him. What had happened to the man who had been forgiven the debt, he now has to repay. Then Jesus leaps out of the parable here, and the final verse says, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. Do what? The same thing that this king did to this man, and if you know, know another way to interpret this, see me after the service. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Well, that's a tough statement, isn't it? And what makes it so hard is that he says you you got to do it from your heart. That means you got to mean it. <laughs> I mean, you can't just pretend. You know, some of us will say the word if you think it'd help. Okay, you go to the person you're all upset with. Look, I'm, I'm sorry. I want you to forgive me. 
Well, you're not really. You're just saying the words. And I'll tell you about that. Before we do that, I want to give you some scripture references that really point out what I'm saying. Because, you know, you all look like you're pretty smart and you want to be convinced. So I'll read you some other scriptures while I jot these down. Uh, Matthew, well, you don't have to look these up because I'm going to hurry through my time's gone. Matthew 5, 7, of course, says, um, well, we know in Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, it says, blessed are the merciful. For what? For they shall receive mercy. Who receive mercy? Those who express mercy. Now, one of my favorites is that we all know this passage, the Lord's Prayer. We could all recite it together tonight if we wanted to in Matthew chapter 6. And I'm not going to read all the Lord's Prayer. We know it. It starts in chapter uh, 6 of Matthew, verse 9. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom be going through. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. Well, up there in that part, forgive us our debts based on what? As we forgive our debtors. You know what we're praying when we pray the Lord's Prayer? Lord, I want you to forgive me based on my willingness to forgive others. That's what that's saying. Lord, forgive me based on my willingness to forgive others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And that's where we always stop. But the Bible has a continuing thought. For, continues on, for, in verse 14, if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not their trespasses, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Anybody have any trouble understanding that one? I'm not getting any nods, any amens. That y'all, you know, I can read this scripture till I wear you out if you want me to keep proof texting and telling you stuff. Y'all at least say, okay, yeah, I get it. You know, all right, all right. Let me read a few more. Mark 11, 25. I'm just giving you some other what you call proof texts. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. That's Mark 11, 25, 26. Convinced yet? All right, all right. Let me read one more passage and close, because this will help. I know somebody, this doesn't, this doesn't sound right. All right, I'm going to give you a little out here, but... Um, It's how, you know, I can't help but think, you know, I have a younger brother. He talking about having to forgive from your heart and mean it, you know, that kind of thing. I remember when we were kids, we used to get into fights. Y'all ever do that with your siblings, you know, get into a fight with them? And, and next thing you know, one really get hurt, and then it gets into a serious fight. And, uh, and my younger brother and I, we'd do that sometimes. And my daddy would come and break us up. Oh, stop it. Break it up, you know, and shove us apart. And he didn't do the cruelest thing I've ever seen a father do to their children. He would just say, all right, I want you to go hug your brother's neck. Tell him you love him, that you're sorry. And I said, I ain't telling him nothing. And he started, he hit me with a rock. And I don't care who started, what's going on, you go hug your brother. Tell him you're sorry and that you love him. Forgive him. And I said, I'm not doing it. And he said, well, you know what you're going to get if you don't. Well, I knew the answer to that. That's back then when they believed in what we call corporal punishment. You know, they, they let you know you're going to do what they said. And so I would go through the motions. I'd go to my brother, and I'd hug him, and I'd try to choke him while I'd hug him. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love you. 
<laughs> I didn't mean it, but it's the best I could do in the situation. And then my brother would have to hug me, and then he'd always stop the fight. But what I'm saying in our relationship with God, you can't pretend. Now, you've got to really do this, and that's why you cannot do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you can't do it in your own power. It'll never happen. If you're not able to forgive someone, it's because you're quenching the Spirit and not allowing the Spirit of God to love through you because God can do it and you can do. But this final thing will help you. This is in uh, Luke 17, verses 3 and 4. I wish I didn't have to read this, but I'm going to read it. It says, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespasses against thee, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he, here's the hard part, and if he trespasses past you against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turns to thee again saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Can you believe that? Somebody messing with you seven times in the same day? I have a feeling it's talking about that unlimited forgiveness again. It's symbolic because there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. You know, I might forgive you once or twice, but on about the fifth or sixth time, I say, I'm going to forgive you, sucker. You're going to remember it really good right here. I mean, so what's he talking about here? Well, I think verse 3 really helps us here. Take heed uh, to yourselves, and if your brother trespasses against him, rebuke him. That's what it says in the King James Version. That, that sounds nasty, really, you know, spit on him, cuss him or something. No, it doesn't mean that. It means you confront them. If somebody does something to you that hurts you, then it is your job as a child of God to confront that person and let them know that they have done something wrong. Now, we don't do it that way. If somebody hurts our feelings or does something to us, we usually go off and give everyone the silent treatment and close ourselves off and won't have anything to do with anyone anymore. But that's not the way God says you do it. If your brother trespasses against you, Confront him. And if he repents, you have to forgive him. Now, sometimes one reason we won't confront them is we're afraid they'll repent. And then we'll have to forgive them, and we don't want to forgive them. We're mad. And so we just hold on to the things, and it destroys our relationship, not only with that person, but with God. And if he repents, you confront him. You know, the, it's, that's hard to do. I was telling the family the other night we were eating, I, you know, I, I used to have a real, I used to be real sharp-tongued, you know, and just say what was on my mind. Y'all think I'm bad now, but I'm, I'm nothing the way I used to be. Uh, no, I've changed. I've grown. I really have. I, I've, Gilda can tell you, I used to be terrible. And luckily, she's kind of runs interference. She's real sweet and more compassionate than I am. I'm not a good person. I'm really not. But I can remember one night after church, I was standing in the back, and I was shaking hands with people. And back then, I had a full beard, kind of like, like you do back there. And, uh, and I'd shared with the church, I have a story about why I wore the beard. And this little old lady came out. I don't know. She's about 80 years old, I guess, kind of just real kind of had an attitude. And she took my hand, and she got up my face and said, I don't care what you say, I still don't like beards. That's really hateful. And so I'm just going to be funny. I don't pay attention to stuff like that. And I said, well, ma'am, if I were you, I wouldn't grow one then. <laughs> and 
she goes walking off, and I look, and Gilda's over there, come here. I said, what? Come here. And I said, what is it? He said, you just hurt that old lady's feelings. You've about killed her. I said, Gilda, good grief. She was the one that was insulting. She told me she didn't like beer. I just made a joke. That's all I was doing is making a joke. Well, she didn't take it that way. So you go and you make that right. And so here I go, traipsing out across the parking lot after that little old woman. Thank God she's slow. I caught up with her. <laughs> and it was funny. I, I thought, ma'am, ma'am, wait just a minute. Hold it, hold it. And she stopped. And I said, my wife says that I really hurt your feelings. And she turned around, she is in tears, just sobbing. And she said, yes, you did. Oh, she was just killed. And I said, well, I am so sorry. I said, I am bad to just try to make jokes and say what's on the mind sometimes. I should have been more considerate than that, and I, I want you to forgive me. I'm really sorry about that. And she did, and we made up, and that was the end of it. And, but, you know, here was the problem. Had my wife not picked up on it, I would have never known that I had hurt this person. Now, who was responsible for letting me know that they'd been offended or hurt? She was. If she'd have said, well, you've just really hurt my feelings saying something like that, I would have had an opportunity to try to make things right. I could have repented. And so we have a, a responsibility to confront those who hurt us. And here's the part. If they repent, you have to forgive them. Now, here's the $64 question. What if they don't repent? <laughs> There's always that possibility. Well, that, it's over then. There's nothing else you can do. You, God, God is not going to ask you to do what even he cannot do. God cannot forgive an unrepentant. You know why? Because they won't receive it. <laughs> if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, God loves you. He died for you. And if you'll repent of your sins, he will forgive you. But if you're not willing to receive his gift... There's nothing he can do about it. And the same thing is true for us. If we know we've wronged or we seek someone and, we, and they repent, we have to forgive them. Just as God forgives us. That's just the way it works. And I'm sorry. If you, if you don't like what it has to say, that's what it teaches. Why would God pour all of his mercy, love and grace into you and then let you go out into the world and make a mockery of it? I mean, what a hypocrite that would be. And so God has forgiven us unlimitedly when we repent and come to him. We have to do the same thing. God has forgiven us of so much compared to what he's asking us to do. The least we can do is forgive one another. And if you fail, beware. Because God, it says here, will not hear of that. Now what does it say? A lot of us say, well, it's not my fault. You know what it says in the Bible? If you come to the altar and you know somebody has something against you, even though you didn't do it, you know that there's some bad feelings, you go make those things right before you come present your gift. Isn't that what it says? If you expect God's blessings, you better put into practice the grace and mercy and love that he's placed in your heart. And that starts by yielding yourselves totally and completely to him. Now, you can't do it without it. You can say, well, I've messed up old so-and-so, and, -so and this, I'm, I'm going to go make things right. No, it won't happen. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. 
As long as you abide me and I knew you can produce much fruit, but without me, you can do nothing. You cannot do it without the Lord. I wouldn't even ask you to try. But in his power and his love and his spirit, you can do it. You can do all things through Christ. And that's my challenge for you here at Kingsway Baptist Church as we close this revival service. Let's pray together. Lord, how I thank you that you're God of mercy and grace. How I thank you that you're such an unlimited forgiver. I've messed up so many times and continue to mess up. And yet, whenever I repent of my sin and acknowledge those and turn to you, you're always there with open arms to forgive me, to cleanse me. But Lord, as we said, you've told us to whom much is given, much is required. We've been given so much, and yet we seem sometimes so unwilling to practice the principles that you've told us to practice. You said if we love you to keep your commandments. And you've also said, how can you call me Lord and not do the things that I say? So stir our hearts tonight, Father, and if we realize in any situation that there's some things that we need to make right, with our fellow man, then help us to do that, that we may be made right with you, that we can graciously continue to receive the forgiveness that's so available. We love you, we thank you, and we commit this time to you in Christ's name. Amen.